Money FM 89.3, best of the breakfast huddle. Mind your business with the breakfast huddle only on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3. Good morning. It's the Breakfast Huddle. I'm Elliot Dankett together with Ryan Huang. It's time now for Travel Thursday. You know, there's been multiple announcements on reopening timelines, relaxation of restrictions by a lot of Asia markets. And FCM has also seen things picking up for these markets. The company has pierced through their 50% pre-COVID turnover trading mark for the first time since the pandemic started. And one significant observation is that Singapore business saw a 62% month-on-month increase in turnover from March. Now, while COVID-19 has made many come to the realization that a full virtual setup is possible, does the reopening of borders perhaps mean that business traveling is going to make that comeback? And which industries in particular can we expect to lead business travel recovery across Asia? Let's see if we can get some answers from Timothy Williams, the Chief Financial Officer for Asia at FCM Travel. Timothy, good morning. How are you? Morning, Elliot. Great to be here. So FCM, obviously one of the largest global business travel management companies. You guys have uh, 24-7 worldwide reach in almost 100 countries. I suppose to set context, let's talk about the impact of COVID-19 on FCM travel, especially with that lack of business travel. It must have been bad. It was definitely tough. Definitely tough in the early days, I think, for us as a business, though, We've been very resilient. We've had the opportunity to look at our business and where we were taking it. The key thing for us is our strategy hasn't changed. So the strategy that we had pre-COVID is the exact same strategy that we have moving forward, which is also resilient on our team here in Asia and what we're trying to achieve. So we definitely saw the plummet of uh, traffic in our business. But during that time, we've also taken the opportunity to open into a new market and we've also grown our our client or our market share considerably. Uh, Tell us a bit more about those uh, markets that you've grown into. Yeah, so it wasn't a decision that we took during COVID. It was a decision that had been in the works for a considerable period of time. We'd been looking at moving into Japan. So Japan, we entered into the market in January this year. To make that decision is something that we've, like I said, we've been looking at for a period of time. Mm. When we make that decision, it's all about the right time, the right time to enter the market with the right partner. For FCM, we've been in Japan since Mm. 2012 through another partner, but it was the right time for us to take a stronger grip on the market. And we saw that opportunity. We needed to assess what the timing was and whether the market was mature enough for the solutions that we're bringing to the market. So the timing was right. And so a lot of people might sit there and say, why would you do that during a pandemic? The fact is that we are very confident in that market and delivering the returns that we expect to see and the service that we can give to our customers. Yeah, on that point, right, pre or during COVID, people started to do more business meetings via Zoom, virtual or whatever. And there was a lot of talk that, oh, okay, this will be good. This means maybe you don't need to travel so much. There's a, some kind of a sustainability angle there. But no, you know, with all these re- reopening of borders, I personally have observed a lot of my friends have got on business travel. Are you seeing the same thing? Is it bye-bye Zoom then? Look, I think what you're talking about, everybody spoke about. The way I liken this is the fact is we have to do business. And Asia is actually a very interesting place because face-to-face interaction is very key to that business relationship. And so to think that you can do that over Zoom is probably not practical. Does it mean that we see some scaling back in certain aspects of corporate travel? Then absolutely, we probably will see that. 
Definitely in the near term, and and I'd spoken about this before, we are seeing exactly what we thought. We were seeing that recovery to come through, and that's simply because there is a range of different things that people need to be doing, especially when you get down to the industry level Mm. and the supply chain impacts that we saw across the world and what that means to doing business. And the fact is that corporate travel is critical to doing that. And and that's what we do. We facilitate our clients to better help them, you know, grow their businesses. And to do that, that involves traveling and meeting people. But saying that there is the rise of leisure that we've seen and so um, and workcation, which is where people are obviously combining their leisure travel with their business or they're working remotely from other areas for extended period of time. And we've seen that as well. The length of trips that we're seeing at the moment considerably longer. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's due to two things. That's one, due to the difficulty of getting supply or getting tickets to travel. Um, And then the second thing is people maximising the opportunity to spend longer away to meet with clients, but also take that opportunity to do some additional travel. Mm -hmm. So, So Zoom will be around. It will continue to be around, but we would expect to see travel absolutely do what it's doing today, which is get back to, to very close to pre-pandemic levels. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to talk about on that front because on the one hand, there is this uh, vengeance business travel, if we were to put it that way, but there's also airports, for example, in the UK, unable to meet this demand. What have you observed in terms of the top industries leading the way in the return of business travel? Yeah, it's a very good question. So we actually haven't seen a huge amount of shift in the top industries. It's tended to be around manufacturing, technology, and then service-related. Now, there's a couple of reasons for that. And pretty simply, when you look at manufacturing and technology sectors and leading this, the fact is that they were heavily impacted by COVID. And it does make a lot of sense to see that recovering, especially right now, because you've got travellers needing to get out to look to de-risk and re-engage with their key supply chain partners. And so it's very important for them to be able to do that. And as we sort of get post-pandemic, if we want to call it that, it's critical that they have that right balance. And so to do that, they need to engage it. So if you think manufacturing sector, they need to get to places which honestly doing it over Zoom where you've got language barriers and so Mm. forth, it can't happen. They've got to get to those places and they've got to get a better balance and they've got to reignite what's happening from a supply chain perspective. The other big mover that we saw more recently was in the marine and agriculture sector. And a lot of people would sit there and say, well, hang on, those were very resilient industries during COVID. So why would we see them moving up so much? And the fact is that while they were very resilient, there is a lot of human capital rebalancing that has to take place, people movements and so forth, because what happened in those industries during COVID isn't a true representation of what was there before COVID and what will be there after. So there's a lot of this rebalancing that needs to take place. And that's why we're seeing that sector move up. It's almost as if the catalyst is and always has been the culture and need for face-to-face. Absolutely. And I think, as I was saying earlier, I mean, the way I liken corporate travel, and I've used this analogy before, is one of the jobs for us is to help get their business leaders engaged with customers, with supply chain partners, and ensuring that at the same time that there's a duty of care to those travelers and making sure that yeah, we protect the assets of their firm. And so what we will see more of, and I, and we will see this, the biggest restriction that we have at the moment, especially in Singapore, is just capacity. Um, I think anyone who's traveled has seen that with the price of tickets at the moment, yeah. or trying to get a ticket anyway um, in the first place is extremely difficult. So that will solve itself over time. But what's happening in the travel industry more holistically is just probably the greatest lesson in supply and demand at the moment as to what's happening on ticket prices, but then the supply chain impact. The recovery was so quick and has been so quick and aggressive that all the pieces that need to fit together 
they just can't keep pace with that. Yeah. And that's the resilience of travellers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's also a bit easier for us to decide that we want to go travel, be it for work or leisure. So then where do you see this going as far as uh, the airline industry or the hotel industry, you know, in terms of being able to keep up? They eventually will, but do you have an anticipated timeline where that's concerned? Look, every market is different. Sure, Obviously, sure. I mean, in Singapore, I would say that, I mean, the government came out the other day saying that Changi should be at about 100% capacity by, I think it was October. Uh, it looks like late. it now, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it, yes, it, it's at capacity, I should say, but um, pre-COVID capacity sure. by October. But then if you look across other markets, so in Asia, India, for example, is leading the charge okay. on all fronts. They're at about 86%. When you look across the markets that kind of recovered first, Europe, North America, the Middle East, who kind of never stopped to an extent, they're pretty close to 100% in the next couple of quarters. In Asia, it's a bit of a different story. Obviously, in Singapore, we're at about 46 50% pretty soon. Sure. Malaysia's been pretty resilient, but it has a domestic market. China, obviously, has its challenges at the moment. And Japan's been very resilient on a domestic basis as well, and they're yes. starting to open up. Yes. So, you know, obviously, we're very excited about that. The one thing we can note is, obviously, government policy around their policies in relation to COVID obviously have a significant impact on how they open up. Mm. Does this then affect, for example, behaviour when it comes to advanced booking? I mean, should we expect, especially with FCM, do you see a change starting to happen where people will book these corporate travels a lot earlier in advance? Yeah, so traditionally corporate travellers, it varies depending on the length of the trip, whether it's long haul or short haul. But okay. we tend to see that, especially in the last couple of months, travellers are starting to change their booking behaviour. I do expect it to come back. I don't expect it to continue continue long-term to be what we're seeing today. What we're seeing today is, I mean, at least when we talk to our customers and we've been very open and honest with them, trying to get a seat you know, to London in the next 10 days in business class is, yeah. is effectively impossible. Yes, um, yes. So we're encouraging them to book a bit earlier. It is a bit of a change in behavior. You know, I find it an interesting one because ultimately travelers are still a little bit nervous, but I mean, I've, I've traveled quite a bit. It only takes one or two trips and then you kind of just get back into the swing of it, yeah. especially when you're going to markets where they have very low restrictions. The length of trips is the big one that we've seen the change. So where the average business travel length was pretty consistent around five days, we're starting to see trips up to 13, 14 mm. days. Mm. And it's a mixture of people wanting to re-engage with colleagues. It's an opportunity for them to look at doing multi-stop trips to try and cover off more in one shot to reduce the cost of the trip. Then there's some of the inconvenience that still exists today depending on the markets they're going to. And so they're spending more time obviously wanting to, to be in those locations. Yeah, I myself spent almost a month in Italy and it changes you. <laughs> you go, hey, wait a minute, this I- can be done, let's do it. <laughs> Absolutely, we talk about that all the time. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to London tonight, and I, uh, you know, I can't wait. And I was in India last week and Japan the week before. So, and look, every market is different. India was very yeah. different to Japan, and the requirements that, you know, it took me two hours to get out of the airport in Japan. In India, it took me ten minutes. Yeah. So yeah. it's an experience, but I think it's a positive experience, and it's great for the industry. I mean, travel is something that fuels everybody. And I think it's important that we all get back to it. But Timothy, it does complicate this this next part of the conversation as we slowly wrap up. I mean, we talk about the cultural aspects and why this needs to happen and why people are, of course, traveling again. But there is the issue of sustainability that has risen to the top of the agenda for many companies. How does FCM support this issue? How do you help align the so-called business travel activity? So, very good question. And I think this is where... TMCs are absolutely critical. And look, I'll be honest, we are 
sort of leading that charge. And okay. I think we're right at the yeah right at the pointy end of leading this charge. Look, the simple fact is corporate travel has to happen. Business okay. travel has to happen. You don't do multi-billion dollar deals by Zoom with a fancy background, right? <laughs> it just doesn't. Ha- and, and a kid running around behind you, it just doesn't happen. Um, it has to be done face to face. There's yeah. an element of trust in that. And so we have to find the right balance. And this is where FCM really comes in. We have a core p- pillar and platform around sustainability. And so what we can do is help our customers, and we do, we help our customers and our clients make better choices which help to limit the sustainability impact. Mm. We mm. talk to them about their program. We provide significant amounts of data so that they can monitor that. So these are the benefits of FCM and as a, as a TMC because we're listening to what our customers have to say when it comes to sustainability and we're helping them to find the right balance between the fact they still have to do business but they have this core focus around sustainability. Right, so a lot better planning and, and you basically maximise uh, the opportunity of travel. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Timothy Williams, Chief Financial Officer for Asia at FCM Travel on the line with me. Uh, Timothy, I appreciate your time this morning. Take care and have a great weekend in advance. You too. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.